Hello, Madeira in Central California. I am your guest host today, Corey Valdez, and you're listening to the Madeira Tribune podcast. Today's guest is going to be one of first of four series, all dedicated to the closure of Madeira Community Hospital. First, let me say that this podcast will be available on video on YouTube at uh, on our channel at Trip TV, along with our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. We invite you to check it out, and of course, Spotify. My guest today is Miss Anna De Silva, who is who, with her husband Lee, founded Lee's Concrete of Madeira. Anna has also served on the board of trustee at Madeira Community Hospital from 1971 to 2021? Uh, no, 1971 was when the hospital opened. I went on the foundation board in 1981. Okay. She was a policymaker and a financial con- supporter. When you hear the name Anna De Silva, you think of Madeira Community Hospital. Anna, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so looking forward to having a conversation with you. Madeira Community Hospital is very dear to you. Um, it is, you're synonymous with that hospital, in my opinion. So I'm going to let you talk. Every story has a beginning, a middle, of it, and an end. Anna's here today to talk about the beginning of the hospital because she was there. <laughs> Anna... Can you talk to us about um, how Madeira Community Hospital came to be? And prior to that, there was Dearborn, the sanitarium. So I'm just going to let you tell your story about the hospital. Okay, thank you very much for having me. And I'm very happy to give as much information as I can. Uh, this goes back in 1964, and when Darwin Sheblett of Chevlet Chevrolet and Albert Rao that had Madeira Lumber. And Dr. Daggett and Dr. Bick had a conversation discussing the need for a new hospital uh, in Madeira because about 1965, Medicare would be available and they didn't think either hospitals would meet the uh, standards of Medicare. And about that same time, the State Department of Public Health considered both the Dearborn and the County Hospital uh, non-conforming and uh, probably would not pass Medicare. And they thought that the hospitals were inadequate for Madeira. And about that same time, uh, they gave us numbers that the population, patient, 2,600 patients to one had physician care in Madeira. And in the Bay Area, it was 600 to one. And that's kind of what our records show that was going on at that time. And before 1964, uh, Madeira had the third hospital, the Madeira Sanitarium. And 1917, that house was built. It was wow. a two-story house on the corner of West Yosemite and I Street. And Dr. Ransom bought it in 1917, uh, was when it was built. And then 
He bought it in 1930 and uh, converted it to a hospital in 1935. And both my boys were born there. And uh, the labor and delivery room and the surgery room was upstairs. And you had to find uh, another person to help your husband, the doctor, and the nurse to carry you downstairs to the beds. And at that time, uh, in 1936, Dr. Dearborn opened the Dearborn Hospital with 10 beds. So I don't even know when the county hospital was opened, but it was open and going at that time. And uh, the county had 80 beds. So when it closed, uh, so then uh, at that time also, the Madeira population was only 16,000 to 18,000 people. And today, you know, we've got 60,000 or more without a hospital. Right. And in 1966, the Hospital Development Committee was formed with about 20 of the leading citizens of Madeira. And we had a lot of uh, individually owned businesses up and down West Yosemite Avenue. They were all privately owned. And at that time, Cesar Perini uh, was the manager of the Bank of America, and he was very strongly in favor of helping with a new hospital. Val Pinion was a pharmacist in Macumbery Pinion on the corner of Yosemite and um, D Street, and uh, and a lot more. A um, lot more of the citizens of the old times, Cornelius Noble, who owned Noble Meat Company, uh, Sherman Thomas. Yeah. So they all got together. They worked very strongly uh, to find a location, first of all, of where to put this hospital. And Dr. Daggett and Darwin Sheblett flew over uh, Madeira and they located the 40 acres where the hospital is situated on now and decided that would be a great place if they could make arrangements to purchase it. So they bought it for $60,000 in 1969. <laughs> so that started it and an architect was hired and planning started and it was determined at that time to cost about $5.2 million. And um, actually, the folks were concerned because they didn't know anything about building a hospital or managing a hospital. So they felt like they had to get uh, hire a management company or someone to operate the hospital. And they secured state and federal grants of $1.735 million. And then Madeira had to come up with $1.400 million. And you know, in today's dollars, that was a lot of money. And so they started fundraising. Um, and obviously, as I recall, uh, it went on for a couple of years. They had a deadline they had to meet. And uh, the amazing thing was they were short $50,000. And Georgia Baker, 
came up with the idea that we should sell each room for $3,000 and whoever donates the $3,000 would have their name put on the door. And if you purchase the lobby or the emergency room or the gift shop, it costs more. But the patient rooms were $3,000 and that's how they raised the rest of the funds. And then at the same time, Mrs. Ruth Pinion, Val Pinion's wife, um, formed the League of Volunteers. And she personally called over 200 women in this town. And by God, she signed up 270 members. Amazing. And 197 of them uh, became active members. And that's how the League of Volunteers was formed. And so then they uh, hired the California Nevada Methodist Homes to oversee building and the management of the hospital. And then the hospital was opened. Well, they had an open house on September the 26th, 1971, which was the Sunday, and they had approximately 3,000 visitors tour the hospital. Now that was quite, quite a group at that time. And um, I, I, I'm amazed at what the community did at that time to recognize the fact that this town needed a good hospital. And the plans were to open the hospital with 78 beds, which would be all just about the same as what they we gave up. And, uh, but they would be all brand new, very, very nice rooms with the latest equipment. And then um, they built the, hospital to where in a short while they could expand it to 106 beds and when needed they could also then have a final expansion to 250 beds which didn't happen we we when the hospital closed there was 106 beds so that's kind of the history of how it got started okay and then in 1978, they formed uh, the foundation, the Derrick Community Hospital Foundation, to raise funds to purchase equipment for the hospital. And that's kind of the background of how the hospital was started. Your, how long were you on the foundation? I was on the foundation for six years, and then I left for a year. And uh, Bob Kelly came on as a new administrator, and I got a call from him, uh, would I please serve on the Board of Trustees? And so I started there in 1988 with Bob Kelly, and I must say, one of the greatest CEOs we ever had for 17 years. I'll have to give a lot of the credit to Bob Kelly. Uh, for really making that hospital go. And from the time I went on the foundation 
I had served under all five CEOs that the hospital had. That's wonderful. That's uh, something. Um, What do you... So the hospital had 106 beds at the closure, and Mm -hmm. then they had a 10-bed ICU? It had, yes, it had ICU. During this period of time, when I was on the board, um, we enlarged uh, labor and delivery to make it a family birthing center, uh, outpatient surgery, uh, made a brand new ER and ICU, mm-hmm. um, and open clinics, mm-hmm. and you know, we have always have had, I'm telling you, an outstanding board of leading business people in this community and county. I think also the foundation was tremendous help in uh, raising funds for the hospital. So the hospital Mm -hmm. could get those new machines that are needed, whether it be x-ray or MRIs. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of advancements done in the last 50 years compared to opening to closing. What do you, what do you wish to see? What do you hope for Madeira? Well, I definitely, number one, would like to see a lot more support from the community, from the city council, from the board of supervisors, that a hospital is a vital, vital need in every community. And I feel very strongly that the three most important needs in a community that people live here, come here for, is security of the community, education, and health care. And if we have that, we can have a great community. Right. But that is the most important thing. Now, the foundation, um, (laughs) when I went on, they were all men. Very leading community leaders, attorneys, accountants, um, real estate agents, uh, uh, insurance agents. They were the top of of Madeira. So when they asked me to come on, my deal was, uh, you're going to be in charge of special events. (laughs) And that meant raise money. So I'll never forget the first thing that uh, we as a foundation observed was a doctor, radiologist, came from Valley Medical, and he is showing us, now you have to remember this was in 1981, 82, about then, an ultrasound machine, which, I mean, we had never seen such a thing as an ultrasound machine. And he said to us at that time, if you purchase this machine, $53,000, I will come and work at Madeira Community Hospital. And I was, I I don't know how in the world we're going to raise $53,000. I just couldn't believe we could do it. But by God, we did. And he came and worked here for a long time as a radiologist. And then the next thing that came about was, that was the request, of the administration. Uh, They wanted a family birthing center made in the labor delivery area. 
And <laughs> my thought was, my gosh, we have to go out and solicit funds. And most of these people who support the hospital and donated all the money are elderly. Well, they're middle-aged or older. They're not concerned about labor and delivery. They would have a rather have a cardiac place. So I thought, oh, this will never happen. And we, I talked to the four OBGYNs we had, and they all agreed that yes, that's what we needed because that's how labor was labor and delivery was going. It was no longer just the doctor and the nurse and, and mama. Mm -hmm. It was daddy had to be in there, or maybe her mother wanted to be there with her. And at that time, Clovis Community opened, and they had a huge, beautiful labor delivery room. So that's what the four OBGYNs requested. So we went for that, and that was our second project. And to do these couple of things, we decided, well, you know, my idea was I thought it would be wonderful for the whole community to get involved. So how do you do that? Let's have a great fair with uh, uh, vendors, little, uh, every uh, church group, every uh, Rotary Lions Kiwanis group, everybody come on the campus of the hospital and send up, set up some area to sell items and stuff and get the whole community out there and raise some money that way. Well, I went around and I talked to all the service clubs. And well, of course, every one of them had a project of their own. Lions had Town and Country Club. Uh, they all had a project. The churches were in the same thing. They're trying to raise funds for their own churches. So that didn't get off the ground. So Georgia Baker says, why don't we have a dinner dance? She said, um, we tried, and we were going to have it in the local restaurant, and we were going to charge $50, and we only sold four tickets, so we couldn't do it. <laughs> so the foundation group of ladies got together, we got together, we decided we'd have a dinner dance, and at that time, Vern and Doreen, Doreen Chatoyan was uh, on the board of the volunteers and good friends of ours. And being that uh, Vern and I were both Armenians, we said, well, let's do an Armenian shish kebab dinner. We'll cook it all. So we had no idea how to send out an invitation. We didn't have a, a mailing list. We didn't have anything. So we went through the telephone directory and wrote out every name that we were familiar with and sent out, we thought, you know, uh, a fundraising deal, but a lot of the people thought it was an invitation. But, uh, so we got 180 people the first year and it was out at our house. And we had Alan Harkins' 12-piece band and everybody had a great time. And uh, the next uh, comment I got from a few people that were disappointed that they weren't invited. So the following year we did it, we sent out the invitation, you and your friends are cordially invited to join us. So we did the same thing for three years with Alan Harkins' 12-piece band. 
and uh, got it up to 220 uh, people that came and enjoyed the evening. And then from then we decided to take it elsewhere, tried other venues, and ended up bringing it back to our place. And that's how we raised the money for the first six years. Wow, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. I served on the foundation uh, for a period of time and under Bob Kelly mm-hmm. and Ray Gomes. Oh, yes. Ray was our PR. She did wonderful. Yeah, before Boy. that, before that was Jim Ricketts. <laughs> we, had, we had Jim Ricketts. Mm-hmm. Ray just, she was extremely outgoing, uh, knows everyone in Madeira, knows what the, the community likes. Um, we would sell, well, back in the ni- 90s, it was uh, cars, $100 a ticket. Mm-hmm. In fact, I sold your daughter-in-law, Deidre, the ticket for her Sebring car, Chrysler. Yeah. For, she, I wasn't rigged. It was just, I go, hey, Deidre, you want to buy a ticket? It's only $100. Oh, look, you know, you may win. She won it. I was going to buy that ticket for myself, but I decided not to. Because <laughs> I never win. Yeah. But Deidre did. Um, so the foundation... Was a very is a very strong part of a hospital, a successful hospital, I believe, because it takes a group of people to think out of the box. What can we do to bring more people into this and to get more involved, especially the young people, the millennials and stuff, to get them involved? Today, now we see that Madera Community Hospital is closed. The staff is gone. It's just a skeleton crew. You know, we have a people working behind the scenes trying to get the hospital back up and running. It is going to be a process. So we wanted to bring this to you to show transparency about what the community leaders, uh, the Board of Supervisors, our our, uh, senators, our congresspeople are doing behind the scenes in order to get this, our hospital back up and running. It is vital, like Anna said, to get Madeira Hospital back up. We need a hospital. So, Anna, thank you so much for being here today. I well, truly appreciate it. thank you for it. having me. It was my pleasure. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. I know I did. I found it very informative. Our goal is to bring future guests to speak to you regarding the current condition of Madeira Community Hospital and what their future holds. That's it for me this week. I'll catch you next time.